If you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 Kings 22 today. We'll be turning to some New Testament scriptures. We'll give you plenty of time to get there later on in our message. Uh, but we'll be reading from 1 Kings 22 in just a few minutes. Uh, you saw the slide and you've heard me announce it uh, um, before. Uh, we are going to be doing a uh, dinner on uh, February 11th, the Sunday before Valentine's Day. Uh, we're going to be having steaks and uh, some sides. But to help cover the cost of the uh, the steaks, uh, we're going to be buying those uh, and preparing those. We're asking everybody to... Uh, to sign up in the lobby in advance and just donate $10 to the church to help cover the cost of that event. Um, we'll be buying those a uh, week after next. So if you can sign up uh, by next Sunday, uh, let us know how you like your steak cooked. So we'll have all that prepared. Uh, but uh, we'd love to see everybody there on February 11th. That'll be Sunday night in place of our Sunday evening service. Uh, again, First Kings 22, as we conclude our opening series for the year back from more and we'll look forward to some brand new studies uh, starting next week but over the past few weeks we've attempted to get prepared and pumped up for 2024 and all that it brings us uh, through this understanding that we can be we can count on God showing up this year no matter what else may happen this year what we can predict what we can't predict God is going to show up and, and whether we're having a normal day or whether we're going to be tempted or tested or facing opposition or challenges uh, God is going to show up in any given day and, and we've couched that and we've anchored that promise uh, we've anchored our assurance in that promise about uh, on how much God has already done in our lives and how he's brought us through so much last year and the years before and, and maybe we didn't realize what he was doing and, and what we've done the last couple of weeks is trying to pay attention to how God has showed up uh, and have confidence that he'll show up even again. Uh, we've talked about how we have fell short of our own expectations uh, in the previous years and in various ways, but God came through in spite of our shortcomings uh, so that we can now regroup and come back better than before because now we know that God is going to show up. And now we are better prepared because we've been through it before. Uh, now we see that God was present in ways that maybe we didn't initially realize it or recognize it. But now we see he was faithful and that we, even when we weren't, weren't at our best, even when we weren't faithful, God was faithful and God was good. So we're all the more motivated and we're all the more accountable to approach our future with more devotion and more uh, preparation. Uh, and, and this isn't just a New Year's thing. Uh, this is a day-to-day -day thing uh, because God's mercies are new every day. God gives us a new shot with every new sunrise. Uh, God is willing to put the past behind us as quickly as we will repent and turn our hearts over to him. God will help us move on from whatever brokenness, whatever bitterness, whatever we've been through, uh, and he will help us see uh, that he's actually leading us to a better place. Uh, so we've learned a lot. We could talk about this subject every week, honestly, because we're all always coming off some kind of test, some kind of trial, some kind of trouble. Uh, it, it's good to hear that God is willing and able to raise us up and restore us back stronger. But, but I'll be honest, and I think you might would, would agree with me and echo this, as I've attempted to apply these truths and trust in these promises, I've encountered some resistance within me. And I think that you might can relate, and I think that you might can understand. And in fact, 
this is the most common response that I get from any given sermon uh, that brings out a practical pathway from God's Word and shows us the way back or shows us the way forward. The most common response that I get uh, when, when God has presented us uh, something that uh, can help uh, uh, make sense of what He's trying to do in our lives and show us how we can uh, approach and adapt and, and, and endure, uh, people come up to me all the time and it's never a surprise because I hear this in my own head. I hear this same voice. People come to me all the time and they say, Justin, I wish it was that easy. I wish it was that easy as, hey, there's three points, follow these, apply these, trust these, you'll be all right. I, I wish it was that easy. And maybe you've thought that before. Uh, maybe you've listened to a sermon or you've listened, you've read a devotion or you followed some sort of Bible study and maybe you've found yourself believing in what was said, knowing what was said and what was taught was true and helpful, but something inside of you just doesn't feel like it's possible for you. That you, you don't doubt that it works and, and you don't doubt that God's word is true and that everything that he says, if we do it, it will be exactly as he says. But there's something in us that often says or often expresses, I don't know if it works for me or I just don't think it works for me. I wish it was that easy. It just doesn't work for me. And you know, it's like I, I hear what you're saying. I read God's word. I, I, I know that it's right and true but something's missing for me. If you've ever felt that way before, hopefully you, you know where I'm coming from and I, I think we can all relate. Not only is something missing, not only does it feel unlikely for me, but something is actually telling me that it's impossible for me. Something's actually telling me, that, hey, this just is not going to work for me. Uh, maybe it works for you, but not for me. For most of us, the pathway forward for us to a better, healthier, stronger spiritual life where we bounce back from everything and we stay eager no matter what, it's been plainly communicated to us. Uh, through hundreds of sermons, as many devotionals, who knows how many revelations from God's word to, uh, to us directly from, from the scriptures, um, we're, we're not uninformed. None of us are uninspired. None of us are uneducated. Uh, but we still feel unable. Do you relate to that? It, it, our, our problem is not a lack of knowledge. Our problem is not lack of inspiration. Our problem is not lack of information. It's right here. And we've heard it. We've, we've read it. We've studied it. We've, we've memorized it. We've written note cards. And we've, we've done all sorts of things, pneumatic devices to help us apply it and trust in it and, and, and go forward with it. Yet there's still something that just doesn't click with us sometimes. You know, there's this verse, Romans 10, 17, that makes it almost sound too easy. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It's almost like, hey, if I just listen, if I just go to church and sit in the, in, in the audience and I listen, faith will come naturally and automatically. And maybe you observe certain people that it looks like this is how it works for them. It looks like it's just easy, it's natural, it's automatic. If all we got to do is hear the truth and if all we got to do is hear the application detailed and explained, then we'd all be set. But a deeper read of the scriptures reveals that it's obviously a little bit more nuanced. It's a little bit deeper, a little bit more involved than that. Jesus often prefaced his sermons with a little phrase that echoes what Paul wrote, uh, but, but gives us a little more clarity as to what he meant. Jesus would often begin his sermons, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Or she who has ears to hear, let her hear. He would say that almost as if, Hey, if you're listening to me today, there's something a little bit more required, something required more than just, hey, you're going to hear these words come out of my mouth, but there's a little bit more involved. Uh, whoever has ears to hear. Now, let, let me just clear the obvious up. Jesus is not talking about whether your hearing is 100%. 
He's not talking about if that your ears need to be cleaned out. He's not talking about whether you have an, a difficulty hearing or not. He's referencing how a lot of us may hear things being said, but that doesn't mean we're actually processing and internalizing what be, what's being said. D- does that make sense? A lot of us hear what's being said, not just in church, but in life in general, and we, we often respond with, huh, I, I heard you, but I didn't really hear you. You've been that way before, right? You've been, you've been maybe talked down to at work before or somebody has said, hey, you know, you weren't really listening to me. Maybe we heard what they said, but we just didn't internalize it. We didn't process it. And it's clear because we didn't do what was said to do. Uh, in some cases, it may be that we're just not paying attention. We're not listening attentively. Uh, I think all of us, if we're being honest, we've had seasons of our life, scenarios of our, of our lives where we just were not on our game. And we, for whatever reason, we just did not listen. We were just lights out. Uh, there are plenty of examples of that in the scripture. Uh, a verse that summarizes a lot of us on a lot of days is this one from the Old Testament where, uh, where it says the Lord spoke to King Manasseh and to his people, but they paid no attention. So here's an example. God spoke, but they didn't listen. God spoke, but they didn't pay attention. So if it was just as easy as hearing, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If it was just as simple as, hey, I'm in the room and it's being said, then, then this obviously is a proof that that doesn't work because they heard God, but they didn't pay attention to God. Do you see the difference? You've been in classroom before. You've sat in lectures before. Everything that was on the test that you maybe failed was spoken out loud by the teacher. But, but if, if you didn't pay attention, it doesn't matter what they said. If you didn't internalize it and process it and, and actually figure it out, it didn't matter. They heard, but they did not pay attention. God speaks and we pay no attention. The end result is not ideal, usually. Uh, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I'll give you and I'll give us the benefit of the doubt. I, I think, I think most of us, you hear it on a Sunday morning, there's a lot of places you could be. Most of us, we put in the effort. We listen, we try to memorize, we write down and we take notes and we study. It's not like we just forget and disregard what, was been, what, we've, what we've learned. Uh, to go back to that note earlier, uh, it, it's like we hear a voice that downplays, detracts what God is saying. And that a lot of us, uh, we're, we're here, we're showing up, we're listening, we're trying to process it, but there's like this other voice in our head that says, that doesn't work for you. That's not going to work for you. You can't do that. It's not that easy for you. It's not that we're not listening. We're trying. I, I get it. I know. We're trying. We're putting in the work. We're doing the, the, the devotion, discipleship. We're doing our best. And yet there's still that voice that talks down to us and says, do you really think that's going to work for you? Don't you know there's all these reasons why it won't work for you? Don't you know that you and your, maybe your family, everybody around you, it's never worked that easy. I mean, you live in America in 2024. Do you really think it's going to work for you like it did for them in whatever BC or whatever after the days of Jesus? Come on, you know better than that. And we listen to that. We buy into that, don't we? We hear that voice that says, hey, I know the preacher said that and he had his old fancy sermon and the point's on the screen and you, and you processed it and you tried it and you, you put it to memory, but come on, it doesn't work that way anymore. You know it doesn't. And after a couple back and forth with that voice in our head, we give in. And then we may, maybe, maybe we rationalize. Maybe we say, well, I'll do that one point, but I won't do that second point because that second point's a little bit much, but I'll do the first part because, hey, that's possible. And then it just falls apart. I think, I think a lot of us, we aren't throwing away, we aren't throwing away the help that God is trying to give us, but it's actually being drowned out by a louder voice. Does anybody relate to that? 
It's not that we're just tossing out what God says. I don't want that. I don't care about that. I mean, we're here, right? I mean, that's part of the, that's a, that's the first step. It's not that you read your Bible in the morning and you automatically say, you shut it and say, well, that's not believable. No, you're trying. I get it. We're listening. We're, we're studying. We're, we're putting in the work. And yet there's still that voice, or maybe there's voices that tell us or that are so loud that maybe they're not talking down to us. Maybe they're not telling us that that doesn't work for you. Maybe they're just so loud that we just can't. Have you ever been in a room, right? And there's so many voices. You're like, you know, I I think I hear what he's saying, but there's also those. We just kind of feel like there's all these other voices that, that are louder. And you're trying to listen to God and you've got all these other voices telling you this or that. And, and, and sometimes God's voice just becomes hard to hear. So I don't think, and I, I really know it's not that we don't care. I know we sit in, you know, I grew up in church and I would hear the preacher talk about, and, you know, he would just, you know, assume, assume that I don't care. Maybe I didn't care at that time, right? I had a guy walk down the aisle one time. It was talking, he was preaching to young people and I was the only young person in the room. And maybe it was God trying to talk to me, but I read my Bible every day and he looked at me and he said, hey, you, you, just, you just don't care. And I was like, well, I think I do. I think I care. And, you know, that's just kind of tactics that people use, right? But hey, my problem has always been, it's not that I don't care. It's just, there's a lot of voices that try to tell me that it doesn't work for me like that. And maybe you're right there with me. What's actually going on for most of us is that we underestimate just how much resistance is going on within us. I think a lot of us just don't, I think we underestimate or we, 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 we downplay the resistance and, and that voice that tells you it's not possible is actually a voice that's working against you and we just, we downplay that. We underestimate that there's some resistance going on within us. And it's like when our bodies reject a function that should be normal or natural, but something's just not clicking. And that's exactly what's going on inside of us. Uh, between our ears and our hearts, there's a disconnect. And maybe a better, better illustration is there's a traffic jam. From our ears to our hearts, there's a traffic situation. Now, you've been in a traffic jam before. Likely, there's nothing you can do about it. When you're on a highway or you're in a parking lot and everything's backed up, you just got to kind of sit there and wait it out, right? But let me try to explain what's going on between our ears and our hearts. Have you ever been in a congested parking lot, a, conge- a, a, a backed up interstate or a backed up situa- road situation, and you try to pull on a side road or you try to navigate the parking lot and you think you're going to be smart and you're going to bypass people and get around people, but then you come out to the, you come out to the, 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 the same mess, right? All you did was get farther down the situation but the, back, the traffic jam's still there and, and, and really now you're in a worse situation uh, because you know, nobody's going to let you out, right? And, and, and I've been in parking lots before. You go to a mall and it's just this big circle where everybody's trying to get out and, and everybody's just honking the horn and everybody's just on each other's bumper and, and you're, you're the person that tries to, to be like Pac-Man and just wander around thinking, hey, I'm going to make my way out of here and you're really just getting yourself. You're just wasting time, wasting gas. Uh, there's that person on the interstate that uh, things are backed up for miles and they, they decide, hey, I'm going to go down the access lane. I'm going to go down the side of this thing because I'm just going to play like I don't know what's going on. And then they're hoping somebody lets them in farther down the road or maybe when a lane's running out, right? You, you don't like that. And that's not a good feeling, right? When you're sitting there and somebody else comes blasting by you and they're going to hope that somebody lets them in farther up the road. That's not a good feeling. And most of us, we don't let that person in because, hey, they got to sit there and wait just like we did. Um, I think a lot of us, you know, we've been the, the poor soul in a parking lot trying to get turned on to a traffic, a, a traffic jam road and nobody wants to let us out. We've been to a big event, a big game or a big co- a concert, right? And everybody's trying, everybody's on the highway and all the little side parking lots are trying to get out and nobody wants to let them and you're nudging forward an inch at a time hoping somebody eventually has to let you in. 
We don't, we don't like being in either, either of those situations. Um, I don't know what's going on in this image. I, I hope it's AI generated because I don't know what those poor people were trying to do. That seems like, that, that just, um, that seems like they made it a whole lot more complicated. But that's how a lot of our, a lot of parking traffic jams look, right? A lot of parking lot situations look. Um, but that's kind of what's going on inside of us. Uh, that's kind of what's going on from our ears to our hearts. Now, we've been on both, both sides before. We've been the car trying to get out and nobody lets us out. Uh, we've been the car that doesn't let anybody out. And I think the best picture for what God's word is up against, I, I think the best picture of what God's truth is fighting as we're trying to hear what God is saying and it's just not clicking, I think the best picture is that all the other things that we're consuming, all the other things that we're listening to, all the other voices that rule us and dominate us and influence us, God's word is like that car trying to pull out of that parking lot or trying to pull out of the side road. And the rest of the information is saying, I'm not letting you in. Does that make sense? God's word is, is sitting up here uh, on the side of the main highway and it's trying to pull out into our lives, but we've got so much other stuff backed up in a traffic jam that it's not got any room to get in the flow. And I think the cause of that, I think between our ears and our hearts, there's so much being processed and so much being prioritized uh, that we maybe underestimate how we've given precedent and we've given placement to all the wrong things. From our ears to our hearts, everything goes through our brains, right? We hear it and it goes into our minds and our minds has to process it. Our minds have to figure out, hey, what is this saying and, and what do I do with this? Uh, our minds can only handle so much and cannot process everything that comes its way. Just like a highway can only handle so many cars and a parking lot can only handle so many cars at a time. So a lot of us feel like something's working against God's word, becoming internalized and taking precedent over our, our lives, over other voices in our heads. That's because we've allowed, and I'm not saying you've done it intentionally, but this is just how it is in this world. Our nature is that we've allowed the wrong things to have the seat of influence and dominance in our minds. Now, maybe, again, maybe you disagree. Maybe you think, I just, I don't think I've actually done that. But I think it's just our nature. Our nature is we've got, we're processing so much. We're listening to so much. We're internalizing so much. Our nature is that the wrong things take precedent and take priority over what God is trying to say to us. That's just how it is. That's the, you can say, well, that's not fair. That's, that's our flesh. That's the fallen nature that we're in. That's the fallen world that we're in. This is where a lot of us, we might have different responses because a lot of us might push back. You say, well, you know, of course, our brains are just organs. You know, our hearts, our lungs, our livers, there's a lot of things that work against those organs. A lot of things work against our minds, and I hear you. A lot of things work against our minds processing what we need. Sometimes there are deficiencies that affect our minds, just like our heart, our stomach, are affected by factors that we have no control over, and I get that. There are some things that we definitely have control over, though. I think we would agree with that. Just like our heart and our kidney and our liver and our lungs are affected by what we bring into our bodies, right? That some things, some, some heart conditions you're going to have no matter what. Some lung issues you're, you're born with, that's, that's, that's part of it. Some liver, kidney issues, you just have them because, hey, that's part of your genetics. But there's a lot of things that we do to our hearts and our stomachs and all our organs that, that we are responsible for, right? A lot of heart problems come from things that we put into our bodies. A lot of lung issues come from things that we put into our bodies. Does that make sense? So yeah, a lot of us are predisposed in our minds 
to think a certain way and to, to, to push back at certain things. But I also think that it's true that a lot of us, most of us, we underestimate just what we are allowing to take priority and precedent in our minds. And, and what's unique about our brains, what's unique about our brains is our ears hear, our brains process, and it exports to our hearts what it has compartmentalized and what it has prioritized. Yeah, there's genetic, there's chemical factors that influence this process, but it's just like a computer. A computer can have a virus or a bug that slows it down, that causes things not to function as it should. But also like a computer, our brains have a finite amount of RAM. You've ever bought a computer before and it has a, has a little uh, part of the information. It says has four gigabytes of RAM. Don't buy one of those. It won't work very well. Eight gigabytes of RAM, 16 gigabytes of RAM. Now you're cooking right. 32 gigabytes of RAM. You, you never have any problems if you get one that big. We've all observed on our computers, and, and maybe we're, we're downloading a program, and they say, well, how much RAM do you have? And I don't, I don't know how much RAM I have, but it probably isn't enough. Random access memory, somehow 4, 8, 16, so on and so forth. So unfortunately, you can't open up your brain and add RAM to it. Unfortunately, you can't open You can open up a computer and add a chip of RAM or take it out and put it back, but that's not how our brains work. We got what we got. So it's up to us to make sure we clear the way from our ears to our hearts and that we prioritize listening to and consuming what our minds need to hear. Are, we, are you tracking with me? I know we went on a couple different tangents, computers and traffic jams, all that, but it's up to us to prioritize listening and consuming what our minds need to hear so that, we talk about that little phrase a lot, don't we? So that, because there's a connection from one to the other, so that we might be best positioned to process and internalize God's word. So if there's a whole lot of stuff coming at us, a whole lot of information, a whole lot of data that we're trying to consume and our minds are, 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 are slanted toward prioritizing the wrong things, we've got to be conscious of that and we've got to prioritize listening and consuming what our minds uh, need to hear so that we might best process and be positioned, uh, be positioned to process and internalize God's word. If it feels like there are louder voices drowning out God's word, if it feels like our minds are already made up, you know what that should make us aware of and clue us into? What we take into our minds, what we take into our minds is affecting what our minds are willing to trust and try, what our minds are willing to believe and and. and practice. So there's a story in the Bible that perfectly encapsulates this reality. And it's, and it's a story of extremes, but I think, that's a, I think that's important to help kind of reflect back at us uh, what we can't see in the mirror. It shows us that what it's like when God's word and God's truth and God's grace and God's revelation and inspiration, it shows us what it's like when God is trying to get to us, but we've got so much working against us and so much blocking him out. Uh, the setup for the story is it takes place during the divided kingdom. The nation of Israel has split in two. Ten tribes up north, two tribes down south. There's political reasons that wouldn't surprise us if we studied them, but the nation divides. So the two nations, one's called Israel, one's called Judah. Uh, Israel up north, Judah down south. They're in a cold war. They don't speak to each other. But now there's a common enemy on the horizon, and the king of Israel calls on the king of Judah for some help. You've heard this story before. It's the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat. He's a devoted believer. The king of Israel, Ahab, is far from God. He's comically evil. I mean, you, you, can't, you couldn't make this stuff up because he's completely, uh, completely outrageously evil and completely careless. Um, so as in their initial conversation, we're going to see the difference and we're going to see Jehoshaphat's up against a brick wall trying to talk Ahab into turning to God, listening to God. Because it turns out, He's listening to a whole lot of the wrong stuff. So 1 Kings 22, follow along with me. Verse number 1 through 8. 
Now, there, now three years passed without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. The king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth and Gilead is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. So that was a piece of land that Syria took. Now they want to get it back. So he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight at Ramoth, Gilead? Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am, as your, I am as you are, my people are your people, my horses are your horses. So Jehoshaphat pledges to ally with, ally with Israel or Judah. Uh, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. So Jehoshaphat says, I'm with you, but hey, I think we should talk to God about this and I think we should pray about this. I think we should listen to what God has to say about this situation because I don't feel comfortable just going into this with, with, without, any, without any counsel. And Ahab responds, verse 6, Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for the Lord will, deli- the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. Now I want you to notice something. Notice back in verse 5 how when Jehoshaphat said, let's inquire the word of the Lord, notice how those are all capitalized, that L-O-R-D, that's, that's the capitalizing your Bible. Uh, that's the, 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 the English way of writing the name of God. The name of God that we talk about, I am, Yahweh, Jehovah, different ways that we pronounce it. Anywhere in your Bibles where you see the, the phrase Lord, the word Lord, and all the words, or all the letters are capitalized, that's uh, because the Hebrews had a very sacred understanding of God's name. They wouldn't write it out in full, so the way the English translators uh, wrote that years later, when, when the Bible was translated to English, is that they just took the word Lord and capitalized all the letters to let us know that's referring to the Jewish God, that's referring to the God who sent Jesus, that's referring to the one and only God. Now notice in verse 6 where the prophets are telling Ahab and and the 400 prophets, notice when they say go up for the Lord will deliver it, they refer to the Lord, and they refer, they're, they're speaking on behalf of their false gods. Uh, they, were, they, they worshiped a god named Baal. But there's a difference there, right? Uh, Jehoshaphat wants to know, hey, have we talked to God, Yahweh, about this? And, and the prophets of Ahab uh, say, well, yeah, the Lord will deliver it. And, 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 the, and the average person might not would have noticed the difference, but you've got eyes and you've got ears to hear, so you notice the difference. Sometimes it, it seems like, well, you know, that, that God has said something, but if you pay attention to the details... God didn't really say that, and they're, they're quoting it as if God did, but we, we can see the difference. Um, so, uh, it says in verse 7, uh, Jehoshaphat says, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord? Notice how he emphasizes God, Yahweh, I am. Is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So the king of Israel, he got, the, he got it at this point, said to Jehoshaphat, there is one man, Micaiah, the son of uh, Imlah, but whom, by whom we inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he does not prophesy good things concerning me, but evil. <laughs> See, I don't like the guy because he always tells me stuff I don't want to hear. Now, uh, he's, again, he's being extreme. He's exaggerating. I hate this guy. He always says bad things, negative things to me. Uh, I don't want to talk to him. But Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. So he said, you know, say it ain't so. Uh, that's, where that came from. that's where that old phrase comes from, uh, maybe. So Ahab has this choir of prophets. Ahab has this choir of prophets, 400 guys that are constantly chanting and singing and prophesying on his behalf. They basically tell him whatever he wants to hear. 
There's no accountability. There's no challenge. There's no reflection of what the real world is like. Uh, Ahab is listening to all these worldly voices that are just always telling him uh, what he wants to hear. And, and they're always leading him in a direction that isn't good for him, that isn't good for the nation, that's actually bad for him in every way. But he's so in it and he's so in the fog, he doesn't see that. And a lot of us, we've been paying attention to a lot of voices for a long time that we don't realize they're bad, bad for us and they're negative influences on us, but we've just accepted that's how it's going to be and we've kind of we've become glutton for punishment if you know what I mean we've become kind of gluttons to hear all the wrong things and all the bad things and all the things that we shouldn't hear and we just kind of stay plugged into that and we don't think there's another way for us so Jehoshaphat knows better and he makes a request can we pray to the Lord God about this and uh, Ahab says I've got 400 prayer warriors right over here who what do you what do you mean we don't we don't need to pray about this Jehoshaphat isn't impressed so he feels compromised. Ahab says, okay, 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 we'll, we'll get Micaiah in here. Uh, but but if, you, if you read on, um, Jehoshaphat's in this arena, in, in this, in this uh, palace, and these prophets are just kind of putting on a show, uh, uh, essentially trying to indoctrinate Jehoshaphat uh, into plugging into what Ahab has plugged into. Let's read on. The king of Israel called, on an, called an officer and said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Judah, having put on their robes, set, on each, of his, uh, set each on his throne at the threshing floor of the, at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. So meanwhile, while they're sending for Micaiah, Ahab is kind of signaling to his prophets, hey, make sure that we get Jehoshaphat good and filled with all the stuff that I've been listening to. Uh, and now Zedekiah, the son of uh, Chenanah, uh, had made horns of iron for himself. And he said, thus says the Lord... With these, you shall go against the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper for the Lord. Now, 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 Ahab kind of winked at him. Now they're using the right name so that maybe Jehoshaphat will be, will be convinced, but he can still see through this. So that the Lord will deliver it into the king's hands. So Ahab tells them uh, to be sure, hey, use Yahweh next time when you're given your revelation. Uh, but Jehoshaphat's too smart. Uh, he's too integrated and too uh, faithful to be pulled under. Uh, now, now, I don't think, I don't think most of us or any of us are as comically disconnected as Ahab was. Uh, Ahab was intentionally plugged into the wrong people, the wrong sources who were overtly, uh, overtly against God's will. I, I don't think any of us are like that, or you wouldn't be here if you were. I don't think any of us are as intentionally disconnected and plugged into the wrong things as Ahab was. But I do think there's a visualization here of what is going on and what we're up against. Because we've got hundreds of voices in our heads that take precedent over and contradict what God has said. That's just reality. Now, I, I, you know, I don't know what's going on in your head. I probably, you don't want to know what's going on in my head. I, I, we, we're, we're, let's keep that private. But I would imagine... That we've got hundreds of voices that are constantly contradicting or constantly challenging, constantly taking precedent over what God has said. And one of our greatest blind spots, one of our greatest blind spots is that we're unaware of all the things that work at work that are trying to distract us and distance us from our faith. I think the greatest blind spot of any given Christian, we are unaware of all the things that are at work trying to distract us and disconnect us and distance us from our faith. Now, put a bookmark here. I want you to turn over to 1 John chapter 4. It's at the end of the New Testament. If you get to Revelation, you've went too far, but just turn back a few pages and you'll be there. 
First John chapter four, um, and uh, again, it's not John, the, not the Gospel of John, but the little letter of John. Um, the Bible teaches us that everything has a spirit behind it. Now, I'm not trying to get you to be, you know, super spooked out and, and super superstitious, but I am trying to make us aware of something that's real that we underestimate. Everything has a spirit behind it, and what that, what I mean by that is everything has an essence, a driving force. Everything has an agenda. Everything has an agenda. Even things that are created by other people, right? That thing has an agenda that is, it's being used to do certain things. Um, that we must be on guard of what the agenda behind any given thing that we're plugged into, anything that we're influenced by, any person, place, or thing that we are being influenced by and come under the influence of, we need to be aware of what the spirit is behind that thing. 1 John 4, verse number 1. Listen to what, how John encourages us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, he's not talking about people who are like the people of Ahab, who are just who are preaching against God. He's talking about these subtle voices, these subtle things, that, that the agendas of this world, that are trying to get us to look the other way, or get us to not pay attention to what God is doing, or downplay what God is doing, or doubt what God is doing. That There, there are spirits behind everything, and we must must not believe or buy into. Do you understand that? That we, sh- we can't just, well, assume this person, this thing is, is harmless. This thing doesn't have anything bad. You know, this isn't going to hurt me or this isn't going to distract me or deceive me. We must be on guard. Hey, what's the agenda? What is the purpose of this thing in my life? Is it coming to my life for good or has it come to my life for evil? Has it come to my life to get in between me and God or has it come to my life to help me grow closer to God? By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Now, again, it's not that literal. It doesn't, that everything's not going to say, I'm of God or I'm not. But you can read between the lines. You can pay attention to the breadcrumbs. You can pay attention to what the impact is, it's having on your life. Is this confessing Christ? Is this helping you in your walk with Christ? Or is this pulling you back? Is this detracting from what God is doing? You see, a lot of us, we are so, so blind to this. Verse 3. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. Now, that's not talking about the Antichrist, end of times, that sort of thing. This is, hey, if it's not of God... It's against, if it's not from God, it's against God. Again, I'm not trying to say, oh, I make you doubt and question everything that you do, everywhere that you go, everything that you listen to, everything that you, you consume. But, but, I, but I am, and the scripture is trying to make us back up and say, hey, if this, thing is not, if this thing is getting in between me and my faith, or this thing is detracting from my faith, if this thing or this person or this you know, system, if it's dragging me down, maybe I've underestimated what kind of spirit is behind this thing. And then verse 4 gives us this word of encouragement. You are of God, little children, and you will overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So the scripture is encouraging that we guard our hearts from distracting spirits. Anything that contradicts, conflicts with, disregards scriptural convictions need to be rebuked and avoided. Whether it's anything that's coming between you and God, especially something that's competing for God's place in your life. It might not wear horns and be evil. It could just try to take the place that God wants in your life. And it could just be trying to negate everything that God's saying to you. Now back to 1 Kings. Let's read how this kind of continues. This is where it gets good. 
Now, that's already good, but this is where it gets interesting. The messenger had gone up to call Micaiah, spoke to him, saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. So this guy tries to bribe Micaiah into just saying what the other guy said. Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that will I speak. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall we refrain? And he answered and said, and he's being facetious here, Go and prosper, for the Lord will deliver into the hand of the king. So the king said, How many times shall I make you swear that you shall tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So Micaiah knows Ahab wants to hear what he wants to hear. A lot of us, we go to God's word wanting to hear what we want to hear, right? Or we go to God's word looking just for confirmation. And sometimes we don't just look for positive confirmation. We look for negative confirmation. We are, again, we're so down on ourselves that we look for God's word and we look at God's word or we listen to a message and what do we hear? That doesn't work for me. That's not going to work for you. That works for them, but not me. And again, we, we listen to those voices. And those voices take priority over God's. Verse 17, then, the, then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like a sheep with no shepherd. The Lord said, they, these have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by and on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab to go up? that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead. So one spoke in this manner, another spoke in that manner. And a spirit came from and forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. Now, now I don't think this is literally what, what, what happened, that God sent some spirit to deceive Micaiah, to see, deceive Ahab. I think Micaiah is saying this, that God is in heaven, God is on his throne. God wants to lead you in the right way, but God has made it possible for you to follow the wrong things. And there are so many influences in this world, there are so many voices that you can listen to, and God in his sovereignty has made it possible that you are gonna listen to the wrong voices. And if you do that, you will not come out of this alive. So if you know what happens next, uh, uh, Ahab is killed on the battlefield and Jehoshaphat barely makes it out alive. But here's what God is talking about. Here's what Micaiah is talking about. There are distractions and there are detractors. Voices that we listen to, spirits that we're influenced by, some seem harmless, but they're exposed for what they really are after it takes us farther than we intended we aren't just distracted. Our faith is being detracted. We have been deceived and we are defeated as a result. And to believing things and behaving in ways that, we, that went against what we knew. Some things are not obvious. Some things are very subtle. Again, very deceptive. Again, Ahab goes on the battlefield. He is killed with, uh, pierced with an arrow. Uh, Jehoshaphat is injured, yet he makes it home. All because... They gave their minds to the wrong voices. They were distracted, they were deceived, and they were defeated. And here's the moral of that story. What we consume will consume our minds. What we take in will take over. From our ears to our minds to our hearts. And it wasn't that, Micaiah didn't, that Ahab didn't have Micaiah preaching the truth to him. He just couldn't hear it because he had 400 louder voices in the way. It's not that you can't get on the highway. It's that nobody's going to let you out. It's not that God's word is, can't get to us and doesn't work for us. It's that we've got so many other voices, so many other powerful influences in the way. 
not blatantly bad, evil, immoral things necessarily. Things that we listen to, things that we plug into, voices we surrender to that block out or tear down everything that God says. So here's where we're going to wrap up. We're going to wrap this up as practically as we can. When the Apostle Paul wrote to one of the churches in the New Testament, would you believe that when he, the things he said he was most worried about were not the things that we often put at the top of the list when it comes to sin? Things like adultery or, 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 or uh, murder or uh, people stealing things or, or, or those sort, or even worshiping the wrong God. Would you believe when Paul wrote to Corinth, this is what he said he was most worried about? For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may not find you as I wish, that you may be found, that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. And all of these things pertain to words that are being said, things that are being listened to, voices that are taking precedent over God's voice. Now, what you would expect for the Apostle Paul to be worried about finding some pretty sinful things, and he is writing about that. These things might not be at the top of our sin list, but they lodge themselves at the forefront of our minds. Let me say this. If you are giving yourself, if you give your mind over to comparison, if all you ever do is compare yourself to other people, you're constantly looking at other people thinking I'm not as good as them or I'm not as far along as them or I've got this and they've got that. If you are constantly comparing yourself to people, then you are giving jealousy and discontentment power in your life. Does that make sense? That if you are constantly processing comparison and you're constantly looking at other people and, 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 and imagining, hey, they've got that, I've got this, I'm here, they're there, you are giving jealousy control of the highway from your ears to your heart. If you are constantly listening to things that make you angry, there's enough in this world that all, all it wants to do is make us angry. It wants to make us fearful and uneasy. And the only thing that goes from our ears to our heart is those emotions, those negative emotions. If you are listening to or engaging in gossip, you are giving ammunition to the enemy to break you down. These things do to our minds what unhealthy foods do to our hearts and our stomachs. They cause blockages in our minds. They block out God's word. This is why, this is why all over the New Testament, we hear God talk about what we allow into our minds. In two passages I want you to turn to and bookmark for the future before we get out of here. Colossians 3 and 2 Corinthians 10. So if you would look at those two passages with me very quickly. Uh, my, main, my main point in, in you turning there is that you would see these scriptures and, mem- and, and reference these scriptures in the future. Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul is writing uh, to, to the church, uh, Colossae, about what they allow into their minds and because that is going to translate to what is in their hearts. Colossians 3, listen to what Paul says. If you who are raised with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, he's not saying the things on the earth aren't real, that they're not powerful, they're not influential. He's just saying, hey, you've got to unplug from that stuff. 
I'm not saying deny it or I'm not saying ignore it. I'm not saying turn your head from it like it's not real. I'm just saying you've got to get a better influence into your mind. If all you ever do is consume, consume, consume what is around you and the influences that are around you, good, bad, or, 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 or neutral, you are just giving yourself over to an influence to, that, that, that will ultimately tear you down. So let your mind be on things above where your life, verse 3 says, where your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is so powerful. From your mind to your heart, let God reveal to you your true self and your true potential. What is Paul saying in verse 3? That our flesh, we have, we have crucified our flesh, we have been raised up with Christ, our true life, our true self is hidden with Christ as in we discover who we really are and who we really can be when we focus on Jesus and our minds are full of things that are from him. And notice down in verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So draw a line, if you, can, if you circle and you can draw lines in your Bible, notice verse 2 says, set your mind on things above, and then verse 15 says, the peace of God will rule in your heart. So how do you get your heart right? Focus on the right stuff. You want peace in your heart? Set your mind on the right things. Listen, I'm not, you can't, you're not going to make some of the stuff that your mind gets distracted by go away. You're not going to make some of that stuff lose its power but you can, you can fight against it. And that's what Paul is saying. Set your mind on things so your heart will be full of peace. In verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So again, inundate your life, your mind with things. How, again, what is verse 16 talking about? Singing and listening goes through your mind to your heart. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Yet we cannot underestimate the battle. And, and for that, flip back a few pages. 2 Corinthians 10. This is, this is a really important passage you need to highlight and bookmark for future use. 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to read verses 3 through 6 and we're done. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pull, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every fault into captivity to the obedience of Christ, ready to punish, and, and that doesn't mean hurt, but ready to, to put away or do away all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So what is this passage telling us? Again, what's Colossians said, set your mind on what's above so your heart can be full of peace. Corinthians is telling us that when we let God's word have power in our minds, we have weapons, we have the strength that we need to fight against the strongholds that try to block out God's influence and God's truth from our minds. Does that make sense? That our minds, there is a siege in our minds the enemy has built because of the things that we listen to, the things that we've been influenced by, the things we've consumed, the things that we've plugged into, and the only way to pull down those strongholds is to allow the Word of God and the voice of God and the truth of God to influence us and have a constant flow from our ears to our minds to our hearts. We must, we must not underestimate the enemy, not overestimate self, but don't underestimate God and the help that he can give you. So...
prioritize what God has said over worldly thoughts and feelings, process and practice, and then you can see how your mind can help you overcome whatever is the matter, whatever is trying to distract you or detract from your faith. So one last thing. Fill your mind with spiritual revelation and inspiration and you can overcome and endure every fleshly matter. It doesn't mean every battle is going to end completely. It doesn't mean everything's going to all be perfect, but you will have what you need. Again, what does verse 3 says? The battle's not in our flesh. Verse 4, the weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to pull down these things that are trying to block out his influence from our hearts. But again, from our ears to our hearts, if you want to have your heart where it should be, you've got to plug your mind into the Lord. Fill your mind with inspiration, revelation, inspiration. Overcome and endure. Overcome and endure every fleshly matter. So church, I think that we have, we have people, we as a people, we have got to make a, make a decision. We've got to make a decision every single day. My mind is a battlefield. And we talked about it. There's some things that we're not going to overcome, things that we're not going to work, they're not going to go away. But you control what goes through your ears and what goes through your ears clogs up your mind and it exports to your heart. So you control what you listen to, who you listen to, what you're influenced by. And if you want a heart that is full of peace and you want a heart that is full of the power of God, your mind has to process and internalize the truth of God. So we've got to fill our mind with the truth and the inspiration and the revelation so that we might overcome and endure whatever is the matter around us. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this practical path forward. Lord, I think all of us would admit that we often doubt and downplay what you can do in our lives because we've listened to the wrong things. We've given priority to the wrong voices. And all of us have so many voices that are, we are listening to. Some of them are not bad. They're not evil. They're not immoral, but they're just not you. And some of them are obviously not for us, not good for us. They're against us, and we've given them a seat in our hearts. We've given them a seat over our hearts. Lord, help us today to make the decision that we're not just going to stay plugged into the wrong things. That we're not going to plug into the voices in this world. That we are not going to be deceived by the spirit of this world. That we are going to plug into the voice of God, the word of God, the inspiration of God. And we are going to allow you to reveal our truth self to us. We're going to allow you to reveal our true potential to us so that we might see from ears to our hearts the power of a mind that is filled with the God, God's truth and inspired by your word. Lord, I pray you might would help all of us to realize the, the, the weapons of uh, 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 the warfare that we, we, we have uh, in our midst, that we, the potential we have and that we might be able to overcome and endure whatever is the matter because you are greater than this world and your voice is greater than the voices we often surrender to. May your peace fill our hearts. May your spirit lead the way and heal us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.
let me say this. If you are giving yourself, if you give your mind over to comparison, if all you ever do is compare yourself to other people, you're constantly looking at other people thinking, I'm not as good as them, or I'm not as far along as them, or I've got this and they've got that. If you are constantly comparing yourself to people, then you are giving jealousy and discontentment power in your life. Does that make sense? That if you are constantly processing comparison and you're constantly looking at other people and, 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 and imagining, hey, they've got that, I've got this, I'm here, they're there, you are giving jealousy control of the highway from your ears to your heart. If you are constantly listening to things that make you angry, there's enough in this world that all, all it wants to do is make us angry. It wants to make us fearful and uneasy. And the only thing that goes from our ears to our heart is those emotions, those negative emotions. If you are listening to or engaging in gossip, you are giving ammunition to the enemy to break you down. These things do to our minds what unhealthy foods do to our hearts and our stomachs. They cause blockages in our minds. They block out God's word. This is why, this is why all over the New Testament, we hear God talk about what we allow into our minds. And two passages I want you to turn to and bookmark for the future before we get out of here. Colossians 3 and 2 Corinthians 10. So if you would look at those two passages with me very quickly. Uh, my, main, my main point in, in you turning there is that you would see these scriptures and, mem- and, and reference these scriptures in the future. Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul is writing uh, to, to the church, uh, Colossae, about what they allow into their minds and because that is going to translate to what is in their hearts. Colossians 3, listen to what Paul says. If you who are raised with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, he's not saying the things on the earth aren't real, that they're not powerful, they're not influential. He's just saying, hey, you've got you've to unplug from that stuff. I'm not saying deny it or I'm not saying ignore it. I'm not saying turn your head from it like it's not real. I'm just saying you've got to get a better influence into your mind. If all you ever do is consume, consume, consume what is around you and the influences that are around you, good, bad, or, 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 or neutral, you are just giving yourself over to an influence to, that, that, that will ultimately tear you down. So let your mind be on things above where your life, verse 3 says, where your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is so powerful. From your mind to your heart, let God reveal to you your true self and your true potential. What is Paul saying in verse 3? That our flesh, we have, we have crucified our flesh, we have been raised up with Christ, our true life, our true self is hidden with Christ. As in we discover who we really are and who we really can be when we focus on Jesus and our minds are full of things that are from him. And notice down in verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So draw a line, if you, if you, can, if you circle and you can draw lines in your Bible, notice verse 2 says, set your mind on things above, and then verse 15 says, the peace of God will rule in your heart. So how do you get your heart right? Focus on the right stuff. You want peace in your heart? Set your mind on the right things. Listen, I'm not, you can't, you're not going to make some of the stuff that your mind gets distracted by go away. You're not going to make some of that stuff lose its power. But you can, you can fight against it. 
And that's what Paul is saying. Set your mind on things so your heart will be full of peace. In verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So again, inundate your life, your mind with things. Again, what is verse 16 talking about? Singing and listening goes through your mind to your heart. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Yet we cannot underestimate the battle. and, And for that, Flip back a few pages, 2 Corinthians 10. This is, this is a really important passage you need to highlight and bookmark for future use. 2 Corinthians 10, we're going to read verses 3 through 6, and we're done. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every fault into captivity to the obedience of Christ, ready to punish, and and that doesn't mean hurt, but ready to, to put away or do away all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So what is this passage telling us? Again, what's Colossians said? Set your mind on what's above so your heart can be full of peace. Corinthians is telling us that when we let God's word have power in our minds, we have weapons, we have the strength that we need to fight against the strongholds that try to block out God's influence and God's truth from our minds. Does that make sense? That our minds, there is a siege in our minds the enemy has built because of the things that we listen to, the things that we've been influenced by, the things we consume, the things that we've plugged into, and the only way to pull down those strongholds is to allow the Word of God and the voice of God and the truth of God to influence us and have a constant flow from our ears to our minds to our hearts. We must, we must not underestimate the enemy, not overestimate self, but don't underestimate God and the help that he can give you. So prioritize what God has said over worldly thoughts and feelings, process and practice, and then you can see how your mind can help you overcome whatever is the matter, whatever is trying to distract you or detract from your faith. So one last thing. Fill your mind with spiritual revelation and inspiration and you can overcome and endure every fleshly matter. It doesn't mean every battle is going to end completely. It doesn't mean everything's going to all be perfect, but you will have what you need. Again, what does verse 3 says? The battle's not in our flesh. Verse 4, the weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to pull down these things that are trying to block out his influence from our hearts. But again, from our ears to our hearts, if you want to have your heart where it should be, you've got to plug your mind into the Lord. Fill your mind with inspiration, revelation, inspiration. Overcome and endure. Overcome and endure every fleshly matter. So church, I think that we have, we have people, we as a people, we have got to make a, make a decision. We've got to make a decision every single day. My mind is a battlefield. And we talked about it. There's some things that we're not going to overcome, things that we're not going to work, they're not going to go away. But you control what goes through your ears and what goes through your ears clogs up your mind and it exports to your heart. So you control what you listen to, who you listen to, what you're influenced by. 
And if you want a heart that is full of peace and you want a heart that is full of the power of God, your mind has to process and internalize the truth of God. So we've got to fill our mind with the truth and the inspiration and the revelation so that we might overcome and endure whatever is the matter around us. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this practical path forward. Lord, I think all of us would admit that we often doubt and downplay what you can do in our lives because we've listened to the wrong things. We've given priority to the wrong voices. And all of us have so many voices that are, we are listening to. Some of them are not bad. They're not evil. They're not immoral, but they're just not you. And some of them are obviously not for us, not good for us. They're, they're against us, and we've given them a seat in our hearts. We've given them a seat over our hearts. Lord, help us today to make the decision that we're not just going to stay plugged into the wrong things. That we're not going to plug into the voices in this world. That we are not going to be deceived by the spirits of this world. That we are going to plug into the voice of God, the word of God, the inspiration of God. And we are going to allow you to reveal our true self to us. We're going to allow you to reveal our true potential to us so that we might see from ears to our hearts the power of a mind that is filled with the God, God's truth and inspired by your word. Lord, I pray you might would help all of us to realize the, the, the weapons of uh, uh, the warfare that we, we, we have in our midst, that w the potential we have, and that we might be able to overcome and endure whatever is the matter because you are greater than this world and your voice is greater than the voices we often surrender to. May your peace fill our hearts. May your spirit lead the way and heal us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand as we sing together. There is a healer. He can help you today. Still there is a healer. His love is deeper than the sea His mercy it is unfailing His arms a fortress for the weak Let faith arise Let faith arise I lift my hands to believe again you are my refuge, you are my strength As I pour out my heart, these things I remember You are faithful God forever Still there is a river that flows from Calvary's tree A fountain for the thirsty Pure grace that washes over me Let faith arise Let faith arise I lift my hands to believe again you are my refuge, you are my strength As I pour out my heart, these things I remember 
You are faithful, God, forever. I lift my hands to believe again. You are my refuge, you are my strength. As I pour out my heart, these things I remember. You are faithful, God, forever. God is faithful. God is faithful, and He can heal our minds and give us victory over these things that compete for our souls. If we would just give Him that precedent and that place, He will lead us to a better and stronger place than ever before. Thank you all for being here today. May God bless each and every one of you. May His face shine upon you. May He give you peace and lead you in the way. Let me pray for you. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for leading us and guiding us and showing us that we can have a mind that is full of your truth, inspired by your revelation, and that we might see that mind affect our hearts and change our hearts, that we might become more like you and more uh, in tune with you. Lord, be with us as we leave here. Let everybody that's been here today be filled with your peace and lead us in a way that would glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless y'all. Have a great afternoon. Mike.